Hello and welcome to Dynasty As They Wanna Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Hello, hello. Hello. So I hope everybody had an amazing Independence Day if you celebrate that sort of thing. Uh, as you could probably tell, last week's episode, <laughs> I think we what were... Do you, what do you got against Independence Day? Well, you know, some people don't care that America is independent <laughs> from Britain. You know, we might have international listeners who don't want to get involved in the politics of it all. Anyway, uh, we apologize. Last week, we were pretty smashed on the episode. You could probably tell if you listened. So this week, we're taking it easy. Kyler's got a glass of wine, and I have a Bloody Mary. <laughs> but we did have Spanish omelets. We did have Spanish omelets with all the hot, hot stuff. stuff. Anyway, we did go on a pretty amazing trip since the last time that we've gathered here to talk about Dynasty. We went aboard... These, bucket list. It was definitely a bucket list check. Uh, we went aboard the Celebrity Flora, which is the first ever mega yacht built specifically for exploring the Galapagos Islands. Purpose built for Tortugas. Uh, no, that's wrong. <laughs> um, sea lions? Yes, there were sea lions. The albatross? The albatross, the black iguanas, and crabs. Crabs. And giant tortoises. We saw, we saw crabs. We saw crabs. Did not get crabs, thankfully. But yeah, it was a really amazing experience. Um, as some of you might know, I am a uh, writer and editor, so I was there to do a story, and I was able to bring a plus one. So Kyler got the uh, the upgrade. I was extra. You were definitely extra. The ship was extra too. I thought it was really beautiful. You know, it had a hot tub. It, it's not as big as like those cruise ships that go around the Caribbean with like thousands of people. This is limited. Well, because you can't park an ocean liner on the Galapagos Islands. No, you can't, honey. There are rules. You can only have a hundred passengers on a ship at a time. There's a lot of environmentally consciousness. Yes, there's lots of environmental consciousness. So, um, yeah, what was your favorite part of the trip, Kyler? Uh, my favorite part was Trash Can Microphone Man. Is he indigenous to the Galapagos Islands? <laughs> no, he was, he was this disease that followed us all around on the trip. And I got to say, first of all, most of the boat was full of lovely people, and we made a lot of new friends. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe because we're all coming from a travel-minded, taste-minded sort of orientation, you know, but... I don't know this 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 poor this poor guy like he was hapless and he just kept turning up. But the our first introduction was on the bus. Yeah, and, on the bus from the hotel to go to take the plane to the Galapagos. There's a lot of traveling to get to the equator. It's it's very involved. Everybody that's going to the boat is on the bus, and then this guy in the back goes, "Wait." I forgot something. As they do. I don't know. What is it with buses that expose all limitations of human frailty? Because I feel like this happens on every bus, but you also see all the other bad human behaviors. But this is one that really ticks me off. And it's like, now we have to wait 30 minutes because you've got to go back to your room. Somebody's theory was that he had diarrhea 
or I, I, what was our theory? I don't know. He he left his hair dryer or something. I don't know. Well, other than like having diarrhea or your phone, like I can't think of a lot of reasons that I would need to go back. I would just let it go because I don't want to hold up the dozens and dozens of other people. Because here's what happens when you're traveling with a group like this. You're only as strong as your weakest link. I know it's cliche, but it's true. So if somebody's walking really slow, well, then everybody else has to... Well. Also, now you have identified yourself to this entire group of people, and we were all going to look at you and know that you're the person who held up the bus three days ago. Yeah. And so he gets off the bus. He takes a sweet-ass time getting whatever he had to get or taking a dump, whatever. And then he comes back onto the bus. <laughs> and instead of just sitting on his seat, just saying, hey, sorry, guys, he grabs the microphone. <laughs> Which the idea that there's even a microphone on the bus is sort of interesting, but maybe that's just part of Ecuadorian culture. I no, don't know. Well, but... you're not, you don't travel on a lot of buses, certainly not as much as I do. The bus. I, is... I just know the LA City buses, which do not have microphones. Thank God. They have other things. But <laughs> could you imagine open mic day on the, on the bus in LA? Like... Mm, that actually sounds kind of entertaining. Um, that needs to be an SNL sketch. It does. No, the microphone is for the tour guide to point out all of the fun things that you see along the way. It's not for open forum apologies from bad. It, yeah, it's not for toasting or speechifying. Karaoke. So he comes back and I guess he, he wanted to sort of ingratiate himself because he felt bad, I'm sure. And, you know, I, I get it. It as, does as happen. As he should, yeah. And... <laughs> he makes some announcement sorry and i'll buy you all a round of drinks when we get to the ship and then he, he like i guess he was just sort of nervous or just felt like everybody was looking at him so he you know he puts the microphone down and walks <laughs> down the aisle but the right. microphone went into in the, the trash, trash can, can. <laughs> i don't know why this was so hilarious but i think we kind of snickered about this for like 24 solid hours well i couldn't i couldn't ascertain if he was nervous and he just dropped it in the trash can or if it was like a mic drop situation where he was doing it for dramatic effect i no i i think he was like he was like, oh shit, this didn't go the way I wanted it to. And he's just like, I'm just going to make a run for the back seat. And that microphone went straight to the trash. So, and then like the, the poor, the, the, the our tour, tour guide. guide had to like dig it out of the trash. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just like everybody passing around this like dirty trash mic. And like, <laughs> well, I love that that was your favorite moment from this amazing extravaganza of nature was trash can mic guy. My favorite was uh, was probably hanging out with the sea lions on uh, on Española Island. They just like are like big dogs, and they just lay around and just yeah, super chill. It's so chill. Like I was jealous of their vibe because they just lay on the beach and they go swimming, and then they lay on the beach and they kind of play around and they're just living their best lives. I like, I like how lions. they uh, they pair up and they've got their fin hands across each other. Yeah, like they, eternal lovers. Yeah, I don't know, it's, they definitely spoon. And yeah, we saw a couple of them, a couple of the babies nursing on the mamas. That looked fun. So I don't know. Supposedly each nipple is a different flavor. No, no, that was a joke. That I know it was serious. a joke, but I don't know. Now I'm starting to wonder if it's true. My actual real favorite moment was when we uh, sort of ported, but you don't really port because it's just an island in the Pacific. Uh, and it's all this black volcanic rock. And then you have these like bright red crabs just sort of like 
slowly sidewinding across these black volcanic rocks. And then you have the, uh, the piles of iguana, you know? Yeah. That are and then black, you see, the then you, same yes. Color. And then you see the sea lion and I don't know, it's like this weird, like this color thing and it's all primordial and you have the albatrosses flying in the sky and, I don't know. It was, it was, you know, it's everything you've been told, but more, you know? Yeah. You really have to see it for yourself. Cause it, you know, I watch YouTube videos and it looks cool, but like, it definitely feels like you're going to like another planet or you're entering some sort of fantastical realm where the colors are more saturated and the wildlife is really wild and doesn't care if you're walking right by it. That water was a specific shade of green that I've not... And I've seen a lot of nice oceans, but this was a specific shade of green I've never seen before, I think, in nature. Yeah. Anyway, amazing trip. I'm so glad that you were able to join me on it. I'm so glad that we were able to be among the first guests on this Celebrity Florida... Flora, not Florida. Oh, this, God. Could you even imagine what that ship would be like? <laughs> well, they have a lot of ships in Florida. Yeah, but they don't call them Florida for a reason. <laughs> We can say that because we're from Florida. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. There was a lot going on. Let's. Welcome back. Where should we start? I guess with Steven moving out of the Carrington Mansion. Yep, he's moving out. This there. kind of came out of nowhere for me. What do you mean it kind of came out of nowhere? He was packing his shit uh, two episodes. Maybe you forgot because there was an episode in between. You remember he was in uh, his crazy overdecorated, misdecorated bedroom with uh, Fallon, and they were, you know, she's like, "Don't leave." And yeah, I thought he agreed not to leave; that he was going to stay, and then change of heart. Was that what happened? Was that the agreement? I don't know, but uh, clearly he—he's out. He uh, well, look, when somebody wants to do something and then they change their mind, I usually assume they're going to go back and just stick with that original mindset. So mm, it makes sense to me. Psychological. Yeah. Well. So, yeah, so he's got his, um, you know, African statues, his steamer trunk, his, uh, what was that big? Big wicker basket full of office plants. <laughs> yeah, everything. He he has the help bring it down, and he's found a three-bedroom apartment with uh, high It's got high ceilings, ceilings and, and tall, tall windows. windows. Again, I think he's been reading too many decorator magazines, but... You know, it's it's like, why did they build everything with low ceilings and not tall windows at that time? You know, that, that was kind of, if you remember growing up, like every house, every condo, every building was like low and wide and claustrophobic. And it was like a big deal to have high ceilings and tall windows. But it's like, well, then why didn't they just build that? I don't understand. Yeah. So uh, Crystal is happy for him. And Blake is really happy because part of this whole transition is that he's going to take some management courses at school, focusing in petroleum, and he's going to work for Denver Carrington. And uh, I like how uh, Blake just assumes, oh, you're going to work on the PR department. Right. Because like that's where gay men. That's where the gay dudes go. Yeah. I I don't know. Exactly how much Keats and Shelley does a 24 year old man need anyway? I'm going to take an extension course in business administration, the petroleum end especially, work for my master's. But yeah, he says he wants to work in the refinery, so doing some of the similar physical type work that he was doing with uh, Matthew Blaisdell and Walter Lankersham. So yeah, it seems like he's on a good path, but then cut to the bookstore later on, and he's a love sick fool for Claudia Blaisdell. Yeah, I don't know how much I, I believe that, 
part of it, but I guess they've supposedly been like shacking up for the last two weeks, basically. Is that what the storyline was implying or saying? And well, we know they consummated their weird relationship in that cabin, and now he says he just can't bear to be without her th- throughout the whole week. And Claudia kind of obliges. She's like, you know, I've got another life going on, but I want she wants that the D. D. Yeah. Well, she wants that. She wants C. that HBI. Yeah. She wants that C. She wants that Carrington. <laughs> um, but I thought you meant another C, but anyway, of course you did because you are nasty. But yeah, so they plan to meet up on Friday night. So, well, but of course that stupid meddling Lindsay, like she just keeps turning up at all the right times to hear the hot gossip that's going on. Yeah, she is such a sneaky bee. All she does is kind of lurk around. She's corners. really competing with Michael for like most annoying character on the, in this season. Yeah, well, I think she's winning because literally her only point is to A, cry, and B, lurk around corners and eavesdrop on adult conversation. Yeah, so here she is. She's this device to like overhear what's going on with her mother and with Steven. And now she knows they're having an affair and she's adding this all up with, oh, well, I'm just a mistake baby. And that's the only reason they got married anyway. So, you know, she's compounding all of these things. Now she hates her mom as a result. And then, of course, she overhears her mother later on the phone with Stephen. Stephen calls and uh, I think he's, what is he trying to set up a date or like set up the rendezvous, I guess? Yeah, no, he invites her over to his brand new apartment with right. high ceilings and tall, tall windows. windows. And uh, then little fucking schemer Lindsay hatches this crazy plan to go eavesdrop and sneak around and spy on her mama. Oh, no, she did that that classic, like, we're going to pick up the extension in the other room and listen in. But she doesn't even do it the right way. Like, you're supposed to unplug the phone, pick up the handset, the, the receiver, and then you plug the jack back in so there's no noise. Because when you just pick up that handset, you can hear. Like, I remember my mother would do that all the time. She's like... Get off the phone, Kyler. I can hear you. You know, <laughs> you are showing your age. So no, bad I right seriously now. am. But I was also a precocious three-year-old. So what do you want? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, Claudia doesn't care if she's listening in or not because she's just so horny for Stephen Carrington. So she sets up the date, and then Lindsay weirdly over malted milkshakes with Christopher, the kid who like attempted to assault her a couple of episodes ago. She sets up a date with him to go driving around. I don't know how old he is, but they they love their underage driving. I was just going to say back then they could have been 12 year olds. I mean, who knows? But yeah, Christopher is all about it because Lindsay's giving off the vibes that she's going to finally put out this time, but she's really just using him so she can spy on her mom. So shit-stirring Lindsay shows up at Steven's apartment outside at night with her, you know, some sort of, I don't know if he's a boyfriend. She's using him, obviously. He tried to date rape her two episodes ago. Yeah, they're like parked across the street from his new apartment and she sees her mom going in. Did you think that she was going to go like put her little peepers up against the window and watch her mom get like banged by this bisexual guy? I did. I kind of wish that would have happened, actually. <laughs> I did like that Lindsay did the the cheesy uh, go get me a pack of cigarettes trick so she could like finally do her spying, you know? Christopher, can I have a cigarette? You have one, don't you? Come on, you know I don't smoke. I do. 
we're gonna be here on the cigarette. And a pack of cigarettes turns out to cost 60 cents in 1981. What a deal. Yeah, I mean, now what do they cost? Like like uh, $42 or something? Yeah. yeah, and then you add the city and state and local taxes on top. $59.99. Um, so, yeah, so then she, I guess she just, like, she can't handle this. She flips out, and she goes on another one of her tantrums and runs away from home and uh, winds up at Walter's place. Yeah, I just... I'm bored by her running off again because it seems like she's done that three or four times now. And if I was the Blaisdells, I'd be like, sayonara, Foster. sucker. Yeah, you're going off <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. Orphanage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just is like, I'm just bored by her running off and having these tantrums and everything just like sets her off. And then... Her solution is to ask Uncle Walter to live with him. I'm sorry, honey. Things are not that bad at home. Like, deal no, with it. No, she's, she's living in an upper middle class neighborhood. And her parents, you know, are married and one has a good job. And She's got her own know, room. She's got a record collection. I, like, I don't know what's to complain about here. And certainly is not this just like that go, silent prison that all suburban children grow up in? Is that what this is? I don't know. I can't wrap my head around her thinking. And so I guess, uh, how does she wind up in the she park? She just freaks out and storms out of the house once Matthew and Claudia show up to pick her up. And then she just starts running in circles around the neighborhood. And I was actually sitting there watching this episode, hoping a car would come out of nowhere and kill her. Is that wrong of me, Kyler? Wait, what? She ran out of the house and was running circles around the neighborhood. And I just sat there watching this, hoping that a car would come out of nowhere and smash her well, to bits. I, Matthew did that that fun move where he was going to go one way and then she went the other way. And so then he went the other way and caught her around the other side of the tree. Yeah, that's because he has a past as a football player, which right. we learned in this episode. Right, right. But yeah, that's how the episode ended. And we luckily we didn't get it to be continued dot 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 this time because I think everybody knows nobody gives a shit about what happens to Lindsay Blaisdell. <laughs> Maybe that's the theory. But there were far more interesting things happening in this episode, even with the other Blaisdell, with Claudia and Matthew. As we know from last week's episode, the Walter Lankersham Matthew Blaisdell rig is now gushing black oil. And they are rolling in the dough. Walter expresses this by buying a hot new ride. What was that car, Kyler? It wasn't a current year. I thought it was interesting. I think it's a couple of years used already, but it was a uh, Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow or Silver Spirit. I I don't know what the difference is. And and our Rolls-Royces from this time were actually not very great cars. But anyway, it's got the classic grill. It's in white. It's got the... uh, uh, hood ornament. Well, yes, the hood ornament, which I noticed uh, Matthew even tried to sort of like Caress. Know, test it and see if it yeah was removable. Um, I don't know. It's it's probably was a uh, equivalent of a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car today. Yeah, Matthew's point is that even though the the oil has come in, they can't afford such an extravagant purchase. And Walter's like, well. Hey, dude, this is like how you roll in business. You got to like show off. And Matthew's just not feeling it. Well, there's also a little bit of an American dream thing there, which again, it's like we're getting into the 80s and greed is good. And and Walter's like, I'm not going to lose. You know, like this business is only going to get better and we're just going to be gushing even more oil. So this this car is just the start of things. You know, uh, it was like this idea that it's aspirational. We can reach for something like this because that's how good our business is going to be. 
Yeah, and ultimately Walter does convince Matthew to keep the car. So finally, there's going to be a little bit of fabulousness on the oil side of things because every time we cut to Matthew and Walter, even though they're they're engaging characters, they're always hanging out in a trailer or a suburban home. Like we lose a lot of that Carrington fabulousness. So I'm glad that at least there's going to be a Rolls parked outside that ugly oil derrick. Now, this also inspires Matthew to spend a little bit of his newfound cash too. He wants to go on a on a getaway, a little vacay with Claudia, and she's not having it. I, so what did you take from that? Was he testing her to see if she would go? Because that's another old conceit that you get in TV writing. Like, if he wants to know if she's cheating, he's like, let's go out this weekend when I think you're going to meet up with your side piece. I don't think he has any idea because he's been so preoccupied, but I think the way that she was so apt to get out of the vacation started triggering well, some her questions final and in best his excuses. Mind. Well, I just don't have anything to wear to a place like that. <laughs> yeah, at first she was like, "Oh, I it's just like she has to go out and buy an all new like apres ski attire, you know." Which I get. I mean, when you do travel, you do think about all the like special specialty outfits that you need to wear, but she came up with about three or four different excuses because she was supposed to go meet up with Steven and have another bisexual rendezvous. I have to question though. I mean, is Steve bi or is he just a badly conceived homosexual character? Well, that's up for debate. And I think we could spend a whole episode talking about that. I'm just going to go with what I see on the screen and what I feel. And that's that he's on this sort of bisexual journey. Maybe that wasn't the intention behind the scenes, but that's what I'm feeling from watching it because we know that he's had sexual relations with men and now women and feelings for both of them. And to me, that's a bisexual. Yeah, sure. I I will buy that. Uh, oh no! One, one, another thing we learned about Steve in this episode is he is twenty four. Yeah, we finally we got finally some got, receipts. Yes, exactly. Um, He's twenty four, and then they said it's been two weeks since the last episode. So it's nice that the writers are giving us some factual data that we can wrap our heads around. I guess he actually looks sort of 24 here, too. Maybe he's 29. I don't know. But I, like, unlike some people back then, he he doesn't look older than his true age. Yeah, so. I can buy that he's 24, sure. Anyway, Claudia goes along with it, and they end up in... I don't know. They didn't really say where they were, did they? It looked like maybe Aspen, some sort of a snowy getaway. I couldn't even think about any of that because... Brian Dennehy's on the screen. And Brian I'm like, Brian Dennehy is on the screen. And this is probably what, fresh off of what, what thing that he was just on? I don't remember now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was really shocked to see such a prominent actor playing a bit part as uh, Matthew Blaisdell's former, like, what, college buddy? They played football together. Something like that. And yeah. he just happens to be at the same ski resort that Matthew and Claudia have gotten away to for a district attorney's confab. So he's there with his wife, his very young hot wife, I might add. I mean, when you're Brian Dennehy, you know, the ladies are at your feet. Yeah, you got that law degree and you got that... That three-piece suit and double-ply polyester. Yeah. And then the four of them end up... They won't call it a disco, they actually go out of their way to say like a club or it's whatever you call club. it now. It's a nightclub. Yeah. yeah. But there's disco music playing. There's disco Check. dancing happening. Check. And then Claudia's wearing There's a lot sequins. of adults misbehaving. Yeah. Uh -huh. Check. So 
I don't know. Smells like a disco, looks like a disco, feels like a disco. I mean, I think Claudia even says it's time to go shake my booty. Yeah. Well, Brian Dennehy's wife uh, convinces him to go shake his booty. And we do hear Brian Dennehy say the words, shake my booty. Hey, before you two go on with your instant replays, how about that waltz you promised me? (laughs) I'm lucky if I can get him off the bunny hill and onto the dance floor. Now is my big chance. Well, let's get it over with, Wednesday. I gotta go shake my booty. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. You wanna shake your booty? You wanna try? <laughs> Come on, old man. So I, I guess disco was supposed to be dead by now. That's what I but thought. But here's here they are. I don't. Is this just because they're old people at this point? So they they just sort of like indulge in these these traditions from the past. Yeah, but they're also like in Aspen or some snowy ski town. So I'm surprised that there'd be a disco there. That is a fun moment, though. Like you remember when we went to uh, was it Big Bear and there was like this rando nightclub. Oh yeah, uh, there's a guy dressed like a bear in the little town. Around. Yeah, and it's like here's like a bunch of people getting drunk and you know doing twelve point dance moves, and it's like, but we're in Big Bear. You yeah, know, like, I guess once you've like been on the something s- about resort towns that do that day, to people, I guess. Yeah, there's not really anything else to do. Well, you can't. Some places you can night ski, but for the most part, you just want to let loose. And that's what they're doing. Did you think? I thought they were going to have a foursome, or maybe do some swapping. Well, or something okay, so like that's that. what's always implied, right? Here's a, a very adult setting. There's a lot of drinking going on. You know, they're probably shooting up in the bathroom. Yeah. Well, they weren't shooting up in the bathroom, but Claudia and Brian Dennehy's wife were exchanging some very naughty girl talk. The wife. They who, were comparing sizes. <laughs> No, they were comparing uh, extramarital activities. Brian Dennehy's wife, just she kept saying the word affair over. She's like, you know what? I really need an affair. You know what would be really great for me right now? An affair. Oh, that's so well, bad. You know, we shouldn't have affairs. Again, it's, it's this like late 70s um, sort of free love and sexual adventure you know, theme that was going on in adult culture at the time, but which of course is about to end very quickly. But at least on this show, you, you, I guess are just, again, trying to introduce a little bit of, you know, some sort of scandalous element to keep things interesting. Well, it's mostly just an excuse for them to keep cutting the close-ups of Claudia's face as she's putting on mascara. And every time she says affair, Claudia just kind of winces more and more. And I think she's starting to feel guilty because she's having an affair. Right. I, I, I guess it's interesting because this is supposed to be just topical, you know, and people are married but have affairs. That's just, just how things were at this time. I mean, they're, it's probably how it's always been. I mean, it's what yeah, was, it's just treated so lightly. Yeah. Know? What was more scandalous to me was uh, Bo Hopkins' dance moves on the disco <laughs> dance floor. Poor guy. I could tell he did not want to shoot. He was no John Travolta no. on the disco floor. No, he was just kind of like turning around and around and then kind of bobbing his head up and down. He looked like a scarecrow flapping in. Uh, but you, a, you did get a lot of nice uh, close-ups of jiggling boobs and shaking asses. And, you know, it was, it was a very nicely done disco tech scene. It was no scandals, but I'd go there on like a Thursday night. Scandals is a little too low key for me. I kind of liked the discotheque. Well, that's fine. I'll be at Scandals and you can be at the Snow Bunny or whatever the fuck it's called. Meanwhile, we've got tons of stuff happening at the Carrington Mansion. Jeff Colby is back 
after his jaunt to the Middle East and Europe and da 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 da. And man, we get right into it with him. He comes back, he gives people some gifts. Fallon doesn't seem too happy to see him. And his MO is to to GTFO the Carrington Mansion. He wants to move out with Fallon. And she's perfectly content staying there. We get some crazy overacting from John James. He's screaming at the top of his lungs at well, Fallon. We get some crazy overacting from both John James and Bo Hopkins in this episode. But we'll start with the John James because I, I feel like it's the same thing with Bo Hopkins. Like, this is my big moment. Like, I can finally do some acting. And it's, of course, it's like predictably over the top and a little bit too extreme given the circumstances. But, you know, essentially, you kept calling him a himbo and he's really not because he's like, yeah, I know you don't love me and that this is just an arranged marriage, but we're going to make it work. That's what everybody keeps saying. It's just only Fallon does not want to make it work. Everybody else is like on board with this marriage. Except for Fallon, of course, which is kind of ridiculous. She is in the marriage. I guess his kind of screaming and yelling behavior is merited because it drives Fallon out of the house mid pedicure. She hops up from the bed. I don't even think she took the, the, the little pads out from between her toes. No, the way she was hobbling down the steps, <laughs> it seemed like those were still in. And uh, those toenails were definitely still wet. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe that's why she left them in. And I just love that she just like runs barefoot into Jeff's Mercedes and peels out and of course like Blake's running down the stairs in his evening attire. You have to be really distressed to drive a car barefoot. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that well, I think that's what they were going for. And I like that they had her painting her toenails before, so you really know that she's barefoot getting into that car. That was an excellent choice. Yes. I agree. That was that was good directing. But then it doesn't really make sense that she drove away because then she just turns right around in the middle of the street and heads back to the Carrington Mansion. Never mind. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but I forgot to unplug the coffee pot. <laughs> No, it wasn't the coffee pot that she wanted. It was, dun, 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 Michael, the chauffeur. She awakens him, and the porniest music that has ever I been in my God. ears Yeah, plays. It, it was, it, it had like sensuous saxophones and a four on the floor beat, and there you just knew that the, there was gonna be P and V happening. know if i was supposed to like be turned on from this musical cue in this moment or if it was supposed to scandalize me but i was just i don't know i just turned the volume down on the tv because this again music this, was this so insane episode was like going for like let's be really adult this episode you know let's let's have people cheating going to the disco now we're gonna have this you know porno moment with very explicit erratic sex, you know. Well, why do you think that she keeps fucking this chauffeur? I mean, does he just, is he like hung like a horse or something? I don't know. I mean, he's fine from the neck down, I guess. I, you know, but I, I still don't see the chemistry. I don't understand what she's so into him about. Well, and she knows that he's schmarmy as fuck. So like, I don't get it. Like there's got to be other guys to hook up with. And she was in the car. She could have driven to like scandals. And I think met maybe somebody. that's her type because he's definitely the opposite of John James. You know, he doesn't have the perfect hair and the and the fancy job. And well, and he likes rough sex. We know manners. from him pushing yeah. up or, or pushing her up right. against that tree. 
So I guess he just knows how to get her off. So I guess it turns out Michael's involved in some sort of, I don't know, it's like a, is this like bad gambling debt or I, I don't understand this. Again, this, this character doesn't really need to be here, but okay. So we needed some action and he's going to get his ass beat by the mafia or some bookies or something. Yeah. So what happens is we've got Fallon and Crystal being driven home by Michael later on after they fucked all night with Jeff Colby upstairs and I guess they're coming from some fundraiser or something. And all of a sudden, all these cars start cutting them off. Like they're going to be like hit, you know, like well, hit, it's like has been put out. They're, on they're trying to do this like Steve McQueen movie, you know, uh, car chase action. Yes, lots of loud braking noises and some of the cars tires peeling out. Other. Yeah. So they get blocked in in the middle of this street and it's not Fallon and Crystal that are about to be attacked. It's Michael. So all of these goons get out and start beating the shit out of him. And Fallon realizes really quickly what's going on. I guess you didn't. So Blake Carrington has sent these guys because he knows that they were fucking all night, probably because she's a screamer. And he's sending a message to not only Michael, but also Fallon. And Crystal kind of wonders what's going on. And they come up with this like story in the middle of it saying that he's getting beat up because he's got gambling debts. But this evil bastard, Blake Carrington, well, do we is have anything it. to tell us that Blake knew that already? Yes, because later on, Fallon well, confronts that's later. Blake. That's later. But does anything leading up to this event tip you off that Blake knew that he was screwing Fallon. The little side conversation that Fallon and Michael have, because he says, don't say anything because Crystal is seeing what's going on and hearing it. And Fallon kind of plays along and she's like, oh yeah, you hang out with all these bruisers or whatever. So Fallon figures it out because Fallon is the smartest person on the show. Okay. Anyway, Fallon has figured it out. She goes to confront Blake Carrington and she's not pulling any punches. She's pissed that he's done this. And he's pissed that she's stepping out on her new hubby. Don't try to deny it, Blake Carrington. You had him beat up and I know it. If I did or I didn't, that's no concern of yours. Well, why not? I was as much a part of it as he was. It wasn't even his idea. It was mine. I know that. So why don't you have me beaten up? I probably should have, but I know that won't stop you. You think this will? You are my daughter, and you are Carrington. And you will not shame this family, nor will you shame me. You just can't go around beating up every man in Colorado I sleep with. Try me, Fallon. Try me. He seems a little conflicted over what he's doing. So I'm hoping he has like a come-to-Jesus moment soon, because he just keeps being the worst person ever on this show. But I think what they're implying is is that's the uh, the ultimate American personality. If you want to make money and step on people to get there, like that's that's how that works, you know. Depressing. But here, greed is good, and we're we're rolling into the eighties. Yeah, I mean, greed can be good, but can we please not like be violent with women to achieve that? <laughs> One thing we didn't really talk about is that Matthew Blaisdell and Crystal Carrington meet up for a rendezvous in the park. Matthew is all gushy-gushy and telling her about how he dreamt about her and her hair was blowing Gross. in a field. And then the, the whole time he was describing this dream he had about her, I was thinking her hair was blowing in a field. How was her hair blowing? It's like filled with Aquanet. She basically has a helmet on all the time. 
So this must have been a very fantastical dream if her hair could actually blow well, in the wind. Did you notice they kind of have the same hairdo? It's just she has the long version. He has the short version. But it's like sort of sandy blonde parted in the center, styled with feathering at the top. Well, it's kind of like Goldilocks. Is this like, like, like Matthew <laughs> Blaisdell, Al Corley's uh, hairdo, and then Linda Evans's hairdo. Like they really look like the most related, even though those three characters aren't related by at blood. all. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to like do it on the picnic table. But Crystal was pretty firm that like this isn't going to go any further. And I think she wanted to meet up with him to say, look, I know we had... I don't really get the sex vibes from these two. I, I get it. It's definitely more of a, a deep love. Oh, you know? yeah. But I mean, what's the ultimate expression of love? Fucking in the park. <laughs> I was going to say making love on a picnic table. But yeah, sure, that works too. But picnic yeah. Picnic penetration. <laughs> Okay, you've gone too far. But of all the extramarital affairs that are happening on this episode, this is probably the least offensive. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all just sunshine and roses, literally, and walks in the park. But you don't get like with uh, Stephen and Claudia, where it's like they basically wake up in bed every other scene. Or you get like PSM Screw and Michael with the porno music. Like, this is all just pretty innocuous between... Matthew and Crystal. Yeah. And the nice thing that she does is she tips Matthew off to the fact that Claudia Blaisdell knows they were having an affair. Now, this prompted a lot of questions for me because I'm not really clear on what Matthew and Crystal's relationship was. Were they dating? Did people know that they were together? Or were they just... The writers are never going to tell you. I know, but I want to know because... It doesn't add up to me because Crystal would have had to have been dating Blake at that point, right? Like courting before they got married. Obviously, we know Matthew Blaisdell stepped out on Claudia when she was in the mental institution. But how serious was this relationship? Have they even ever done the nasty? I mean, it's serious enough to drop off $40,000 in the middle of the night. Hey, oh, yeah, I don't know. So it doesn't look like it's going to be happening for them anytime soon. Crystal has pretty much closed the door. Well, but this is Crystal's problem in all of this. Just like with Blake, she can't... She's good at words, but not at actions. And she's stuck in this sort of weird affair with Matthew, but she's not going to like take it any further than where it is, but she's not going to cut it off either. And she's going to continue meeting up with him and you know behind Blake's back but but then she's gonna like not sleep with him or go out of town with him on the weekend or whatever kind of a cock tease yeah yeah she's she just needs to like lay down the law and make a decision about this but she's not going to yeah well and to Matthew's credit he is still trying to make his family life work you know he's got his crazy daughter who's running around town and then this i think is really what inspires him to want to go on that aspirin trip with claudia he thinks maybe if they go away they'll oh, fix this will things. fix everything yeah yeah and he has no idea how bad it is that she went to scandals and was flirting with another married man and that she's boning stephen carrington but what i thought was really what do you think interesting he'd do if he knew that hopefully we'll find out I mean, imagine being cucked by, you know, gay Stephen Carrington. <laughs> well, you know, Blake does find out in this episode from Michael, the chauffeur of all people, that Stephen and Claudia are doing it. And 
the self-satisfaction. Oh, Blake is so excited about this. Blake has on his face is disgusting. He's like, oh, he's a man now. <laughs> mm, yes, finally. I got the gay out of him. Gross. It was that bordello. But the thing is, is I don't understand how Michael the chauffeur knows that information. Well, because the nosy secretary, apparently she's got the goods on the whole town of Denver. She needs a spinoff, that British baby She only secretary. got two short episodes. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? Yeah, hopefully she becomes a cast member later. Well, anyway, so, you know, Matthew and Crystal have their, their walk in the park, and, and then they go their separate ways. But Matthew goes back to a very unhappy home, and they have, like, a serious knockdown, drag-out argument. Like, yeah, and none it, of this stuff worked. Like, him talking to her, him taking her to Aspen, nothing worked. Yeah, and again, like the John James scene, like Bo Hopkins is just like, oh, I'm finally going to get like something to chew on, and he goes for it. And I don't, I don't think it's great acting, honestly. But and he's like, his body language is very uncharacteristic so far. Like we've it, never seen Matthew Blaisdell snap like this. Oh we've no, he, seen him like punch people and get physical with other men. But he, the way he's screaming and yelling at Claudia Blaisdell, it's like unhinged. It's like, he's acting like Blake Carrington. Now he's so upset. Something about this fight, just his, funky acting on a side it's not to me it didn't look like a man and a woman fighting it seemed like two human individuals that were trapped in very separate circumstances which they are um and it seems like there was no way for these two to reach each other and that's part of what this fight was for me yeah i mean this idea that they were forced to be together because they got pregnant at a very young age it seems like it's just always been simmering and now it's just boiling over every single day. And that's even what Matthew Blaisdell is trying to get across is like, I know that you harbor animosity towards me because I went to college. I did all of these adult things to support you and baby Lindsay. And I understand that you want all of that, especially in the specter of feminism and seventies and women, you know, coming into their own and he can't handle that pressure. Also, maybe you noticed this, all the establishing shots of their house, even in prior episodes, but I noticed it very much in this episode, their house is on a slant. So it's like, it's like their house is like, is lopsided or, or tilted or it's off, you know, like there's, there's, so I like the sort of visual that is also reinforcing how off the their relationship is or how sideways it is there were actually a lot of weird quirky little things going on in the background or bloopers gaffes that i kind of noticed in the park scene there was a woman kind of like frantically running in the background <laughs> behind yes. behind linda she's Evans. like in an alfred dunner track suit and she's like kind of like i she looked like she was shrieking but <laughs> silently yeah it looked like son of sam was after her or something and i was like is this a plot line that's going to come out in another episode it didn't make no sense to me but then like nothing came of it so i was like was there not a better take that we could have used things that happened in the park who did knows we, did did we have to wrap early that day like, parks are known for being crime ridden so <laughs> yeah and then like later on at the hotel in aspen 
Matthew Blaisdell was like chewing gum in some takes and not chewing gum in others. The script girl was not on her game this episode. So forget the script girl. Like she's the least of the problems on this episode. I had to look up the director because I I already could feel it inside that this was a different director for this episode. It was not the same as prior episodes and, and the way that things were cut and flowed together and the way things were blocked. And yes, this is, this is a new director for this episode And I think he did kind of a terrible job, but I don't know how much of that is the writer's fault because I think some of the writing was a little off on this episode. Yeah, it seemed like they tried to stuff too much stuff in. Yeah, and I guess the the main thread through all of this is the adults cheating and the sort of like corruption underneath the surface, um, which is always a nice conceit. But the writers like had a hard time getting it all out without, it was just cumbersome. And I think the director didn't treat it very well Yeah, nobody really had a moment to shine. And there could have been moments when they did, but the acting felt off. I don't know. The whole episode, something just felt off about it. and There was too much going on. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And no, I know what you're thinking. I wasn't drunk. It's not me. It's them. You were dozing off. (laughs) I was not dozing off this time. Anyway, I think that about wraps it up. Let's take a break and we'll get to our looks of the week. Yeah, let's take a break. Kyler, this wasn't a great episode for fashion, I don't think, but we did have a lot of different characters and a lot of costume changes. What was your look of the week? Uh, It was pretty obvious as soon as I saw it. Um, It's uh, Pamela Sue Martin's fireside argument with Daddy, and she's got the, the sort of quintessential early 80s. It's a jumpsuit. And it's in a like a bright blue print and she's accented it with a fat red belt. Uh, and it's unbuttoned just for a couple of buttons, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a classic silhouette and a, and a piece of clothing that everybody had at that time. She was in, and I like the color choices. It's not the most exciting thing going on, but again, this episode is focused more on, you know, things that are not as glamorous as the costumes. Yeah, I did love that big red belt that she was wearing. And Without was, the big red belt, it kind of would just be a plain blue jumpsuit. But it's an interesting print, at least. So, well, I'm not. I don't want to body shame anybody, but I don't think it did a lot for her figure. No, this this article of clothing did nothing for anybody's figure. But I think that was part of it. It was supposed to be sort of, uh, you know, it wasn't supposed to accentuate anything. And you probably wore this without a bra, so you know your boobs were hanging way down and. It just There was just nothing that feminine about it. For me, my favorite outfit was Crystal's kind of camel-colored fuzzy I knew you'd go for this sweater. What I'm learning is you like all of like Crystal's boring clothes. <laughs> no, I thought this was altogether no, they're a good look. They're sophisticatedly boring. From She's, head to yes. toe, it was a good look because it's not just a sweater and like pants because she loves these fuzzy sweaters as we've yes. noticed many episodes. But this one I liked because it had a really dramatic turtleneck yeah it has a michelin man turtleneck yeah Yeah. and then she had this kind of pencil skirt that totally matched tonally and uh, cinched it in with a little belt and then the bag matched pretty closely too and i like that that quilted detail on the bag yeah the bag was it was a hot bag like i could see somebody walking around with that bag today and she wore this for a couple of different scenes this was like a, a, a big day look for her 
I don't know. I just thought it was like really pretty kind of going around town outfit for Crystal Carrington. And of her fuzzy sweaters, this one was the most on point. It strikes me that all the women wear so many sweaters in this show because I guess they live in Denver. And I, I, I guess the costume department was really keeping that in mind. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that because all the guys are always wearing jackets too. Right, right. So they're really just trying to sell like, we're in Denver. We're not actually filming I mean, this in Pasadena. I'm used to living in Florida <laughs> and LA. So like when you see a sweater, you like stop and take note. That's it for another edition of Dynasty As They Want to Be. If you would like to learn more about us or follow along with us on social media, we're at Nasty Podcasts. That's Nasty, N-A-S-T-Y Podcast, which is pretty appropriate because there was so many people doing the nasty on this episode. Ayo. But yeah, so that was us talking about episode 10, which means this is our... 10, count them. 10th episode. So congratulations to us for talking about Dynasty oh, for God. 10 straight hours. This season is like, it's we've got to evolve. Yeah, I'm ready for Joan Collins. But I'm also interested to see where we're going with a lot of these plot lines. Are people's affairs going to get blown up? They've got to. My memory is fuzzy because this was from two years ago I watched the whole thing. And I don't remember, I just know certain characters don't show up anymore. And I don't remember how any of that gets resolved. So we shall see in next week's episode, which is called the birthday party. So we're going to get a party. Hopefully. Toodaloo. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.